You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 261. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Another fun podcast this week. It is your reader emails. We could basically title this 20 questions. I took 20 emails from the time I mentioned this on Monday until I started recording this yesterday about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 20 of your questions even though some of the questions have multiple questions within them, but I've isolated 20 emails that I got where you guys had questions and I'll get to those momentarily. I think the first thing we need to talk about is the big story that happened yesterday. And that is Hannah Brown, who has a book coming out next Tuesday. Obviously the media gets early advanced copies on stuff like this so they can hype the book and release excerpts from it. And the biggest excerpt to come from the book is Hannah Brown admitted that while Peter's season was airing, she had sex with him. A few things here to unravel. One of the first things was when I first saw this headline yesterday, I thought it was clickbait. And it was kind of clickbaity. But what I originally read in my mind when I saw the headline was Hannah Brown had sex with Peter during his season, like while he was filming, which brought me back to that one group date where Hannah Brown showed up. Peter talked to her. He got all flustered. He sent the girls home on that group date. Well, he didn't send them home. He said, we're going to cancel the day portion of this date. I'll see you guys tonight because he had to mentally juggle everything that was going on with Hannah Brown because feelings resurfaced and stuff like that. I thought Hannah, based on the headline that came out yesterday, I thought Hannah was saying that they hooked up that day, but that's not what she was saying. What she's saying is it wasn't until the season aired, which we'll get to in a moment, but I thought that was really interesting. I was like, oh, wow, this is some serious stuff. In in terms of what Hannah said, (laughs) it's almost like I don't want to totally compare it to this, but kind of the Taylor Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, because while it's great tea and everybody dissected all the lyrics to all too well for all these years and everybody knows it's about Jake Gyllenhaal And then she adds four more minutes to the song and there's even more lyrics where people are crucifying Jake and writing nasty stuff on his Instagram comments and just so upset at him uh, for a song written uh, about a guy she dated 10 years ago for three months. The fact of the matter is Jake Gyllenhaal didn't ask to be part of this narrative, which is a line I stole from Taylor herself. She didn't ask to be part of the Kanye narrative. Well, Jake didn't ask to be part of this. Now, I get it. It's not like she decided to write a new version of 
all too well. I know that this was written back in 2010 and she's releasing her albums. I get the whole album aspect of this. But everything that's happening to Jake right now, he didn't ask for this. And that's the only thing that I'm kind of comparing it to when I'm talking about what Hannah did. Hannah didn't have to include this in her book. She could have kept this out. But it's a smart business move. She needs people to buy her book. She needs some sort of hook. And the people who love Hannah Brown love her because they know her from everything that happened when she was on Colton season of the bachelor. And then she became the bachelorette and then subsequently her appearance on Peter's season. So I get that she has to appease those people somehow. She's not allowed to write a tell all of everything that goes on behind the scenes on the show. She would get sued. So she's got to drop little nuggets and this stuff with Peter happened post show. So it has nothing to do with the show. Excuse me at all. So she's allowed to drop this in. But Peter didn't ask for this narrative. And by the time you're hearing this podcast, Peter already came out yesterday and said, I'm releasing my podcast at midnight and I will respond to this. So we know that Peter is responding to this and maybe you'll have already heard what Peter said. By the time you listen to this, I won't know because I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon and Peter's podcast doesn't come out till later tonight. So I can't respond to what Peter's response is to this. So I'm sure he's just going to keep it to what Hannah said, which is the two biggest things that she said was number one, the night of Dylan and Hannah G's engagement party, which was February 23rd of 2020. They ended up in bed that night and it just sucked. The chemistry was gone and she had heard about his interest still in Maddie at that point. The other thing that she revealed, which I don't think is anything new. This came up in the past is that when she showed up on that group date, Peter told her he would dump the show in a heartbeat if she would date him. I'm curious to see how he responds to that or how he addresses that. Because while it sounds all fine and dandy, contractually, I don't think he could have just said, yeah, I'm done with the show. I'm going to go date Hannah Brown. See you guys later. Go find yourself a new Bachelor three episodes into the season. I don't think that could have happened. So the fact that he even said it, maybe he just said it to make it sound good. I don't know. But maybe he thought he could get out of it and just leave the show. But I, I don't think that is the case. I really don't. I don't think that there was any way that Peter, even if he really just said, screw this, I don't like any of these girls, I want to be with Hannah Brown, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave. I, you can't. You're under contract. You signed a contract to be The Bachelor. You can't just leave the show because of something you dislike that's happening during filming. So, curious to see how he answers that. But, I think the whole thing is, you know, he, he has to now answer to this because Hannah put it out there in her book. And she knew the second she put this in her book that days before her book was released, this is probably one of the excerpts that was going to get out and everybody is talking about it. I mean, what is anybody talking about from yesterday? Hannah Brown's excerpts that got released. So she knew exactly what she was doing. 
Does it kind of suck for Peter? Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't. But what sucks is this podcast is being released after he's already responded to this. So I guess we're going to have to wait till next week to give you my thoughts on his response to this. Here is what we publicly know from what we saw on television or through social media from November of 19 through the beginning of April 2020. This was Peter Weber's life. He was engaged to Hannah Ann Sluss in November of 2019. He ended the engagement in January of 2020. So now we're into 2020. He saw Kelly at the Super Bowl on February 2nd that year. We now know he had sex with Hannah Brown the night of Dylan and Hannah G's engagement party, which was February 23rd. At some point in there, he's filming a scene in L.A. asking to get back with Maddie. The After the Final Rose happens. He says he wants to be with Maddie. Two days later, he ends there, whatever you want to call it. Then beginning of April, he's seen in Chicago with Kelly, and that relationship begins. In an interview over the weekend, he's literally quoted as saying one of the misconceptions about him is that he's a lot more indecisive than he really is in real life. That was just five months of your life that I read out, and you couldn't have come across as more indecisive if you tried. And that's not even the full story. Okay, it's at this point in the podcast where I'm going to interject. Everything you've heard up to this point in the podcast was recorded before Peter released his podcast last night. A few minutes ago, I'd mentioned I was bummed that this podcast wouldn't be able to address Peter's reaction because it wasn't going to be up until midnight, and I have to have my podcast done before then. Well, he released it much earlier than that. So now what you are hearing, what you're hearing me say right now, up until I get to the where I start reading your reader emails, is reaction to Peter's reaction to Hannah's story, what Peter said on his podcast last night. Um, like I said, I know a, a few minutes ago I said I wouldn't react because it, I hadn't listened to it yet, but that was when I thought it wasn't going to be up until midnight. Now it's out. I listened to it. Here are my thoughts. He didn't deny what Hannah Brown said, nor did I did I think he would. If she wrote that in a book and it didn't happen, he could sue her for defamation. So we all pretty much assumed that was true, that the hookup happened the night of uh, Dylan and Hannah G's engagement party. He keeps talking about wanting to spill the tea so badly and writing a book about his season, but he knows he can't. Yes, you sign a contract with the show that you're under for a year from the time your finale airs. Well, it's been... Over six months since that year was up from Peter's season, because Peter's season ended in um, March of 2020. Well, we're in November of 2021. He still hasn't said anything. Uh, The bottom line is this. Leads are never supposed to talk about what really happened behind the scenes, what a producer told you to do, what to say, how producers manipulated situations for TV purposes. And I'm telling you this coming from someone who was a former lead who told me that. You're not allowed to talk about that. Yes, former contestants have written books. Even former leads have written books. But has any one of them ever done a complete expose totally bringing down this franchise and sharing all the -the behind-the-scenes secrets? No, because they can't. And Peter knows that. So I don't know why he keeps teasing that he might do it someday. He even joked about doing a fictional book about what happened to him, knowing that the people, you know, wouldn't know exactly what he was talking about. Same deal. Production knows. And I don't think trying to go through some legal loophole by writing it as some fiction novel is going to work or else others would have done it by now. And the other part he addressed was what he said when he crashed the group date about leaving with Hannah Brown. And he'd end his season right there. That just sounded impulsive, which he told us weekly in an interview today after Hannah's 
story got out. Like, he knew it was crazy to say, but that's what he felt in the moment, and he was doing it without thinking. Like, if he really thought about it, could he have ended his season for a shot with Hannah Brown? No. And I think he realizes that now. He basically admitted he was just speaking out of his ass because he was pretty flustered that Hannah Brown showed up. The guy was still not completely over her. So that's my reaction to what he said. He didn't really drop a lot of tea. He basically confirmed, like, yeah, what she said is true. It happened. And he just explained the details of how it came about with, oh, I'm trying to get uh, the producers wouldn't let me go to that party and I had to talk them into it. And then I left the party and I texted her and I wanted to see her. And we went to her place and we went back to my place where my parents are. And she ended up staying in bed. You know, and we ended up in bed together. OK, like I when when they, when Hannah told that in her book and it came out today or yesterday, I'm, I, I think we all knew that she wasn't lying. You know, she wasn't going to make that up. That would be major defamation. So. You know what? What I what I had said when I went over those about five minutes ago. When I went over those five months, six months of Peter's life, November of nineteen until April of twenty twenty. You know, and I ended it with like that's not even the full story. There's more to this story, and you know I'm just saying like I've. It's not like I've got some big secret that no one else knows, because it's not the case at all. People in Bachelor Nation know. Before his season was filmed and after his season was filmed. Peter knows it. Plenty of other people in Bachelor Nation know it. Hannah is just the first name to drop because she wrote about it in her book. I doubt other names will ever get out unless some people come forward. But people don't want to attach their names to things. People don't want to say anything for fear of you know getting attacked by trolls on social media. It is what it is. But there are plenty of others who know. And they just want to stay out of it. This isn't a secret where... Very few people know. There are plenty of people in Bachelor Nation who know that there are more things that went down during November of 2019 through April of 2020. Period. End of story. I'm not like the only guy that knows this. Not even close. That's what I'm just saying. Like when Peter, when the story came out yesterday and then Peter said he was going to react to it, you know, obviously being someone who reports on the show and has reported fairly accurately for 10 years, of course people are going to ask my opinion. And my opinion was, I'm really curious to see what he says. I'm sure he's just going to cover the stuff that Hannah covered, which is they had sex on February 23rd, the night of Dylan and Hannah G's engagement party, and what he said on the group date. And that's exactly what he covered. But I'm just saying that there are plenty of other people that know way more stuff happened between November of 19 and April of 2020. That's it. So... I really think that it's a it's a tough position to be in uh, for him. Like I said, I mean, if I'm him, I'm, even though he says like yeah, he's cool with Hannah's book and they're cool and he, he wishes her all the best, like I'm sure it wasn't great to wake up to that and have to address this. He claims he didn't know that she was going to put that in her book, and she said that she did not consult him on anything, which she didn't have to. But she also knew by releasing that, and that would be the main excerpt that got out before her book officially hits the market on Tuesday. She knew that that was going to be the talking point by everybody because that's all everybody's talking about today. And that's why Peter had to address it on his podcast. So I'm sure when he woke up, he wasn't thrilled, but, you know, he has to talk about it. People ask me my opinion, and I gave my opinion. Like, look, there's plenty of other people that know more stuff that went down during that time. They're just not going to say anything, you know, for fear of, you know, whatever they're for. I mean, I, I haven't asked each one individually, hey, why aren't you saying anything? But 
the gist that I get is people just don't like to attach their names to things because it makes them seem petty and it makes them seem like a gossiper, which then turns into trolls attacking them and they don't want it. They don't need it. But shit happened. And I guess the best thing and the best way to describe everything is Hannah Anslus made out like a bandit in all this. She's the winner. So there's just plenty to digest there. Let's uh, let's get into your reader emails because, like I said, we've got 20 of them. Some good questions here. So we will just dive right into these. I'll give you my answers. No audio questions this week because, well, none of you decided to leave any. So we just went with the emails. First email. Hey, Steve. Meant to email yesterday but got busy. Just a personal subject I want to ask about in terms of friendship. In adulthood, it feels like people rarely have time for friends. The ones who have more time may be people who are fortunate not to have a nine to five. And even if we do have friends, everybody in society, it seems like, tends to put more emphasis on romantic partners or husbands, wives than friendships. It's sad for me personally. It feels like it's just hard to really make close, lasting friendships as an adult and really connect on a deep level. Maybe you or readers or your readers can attest to what I'm feeling. It's just lonely at times. and I don't want to feel obligated to have a wife or romantic partner just because that's normal or because I don't have close friends. Like, it's sad that nobody will ever really have time to hang out and connect for a lot of people, it seems. What's your advice? What do you think about this issue in society today? Thanks. Um. Wow. Sorry to, sorry to start off with uh, that kind of downer email. Um, I'm sorry this is happening, but um, I agree. Like, look, of all of my friends, my closest friends, every single one of them is married. They also live in different states, but... They're all married and they all have kids. And of course, they're going to, while I'm still friends with them, I see them way less. And even if I lived in the same state, I'd see them way less. Obviously, their obligation is their family first. So while I get what you're saying, it's just, that's just part of reality at this point. You know, I'm sorry you feel lonely and. Yeah, you don't have to have a romantic partner just because that's the norm. Um, I just, is it is it tougher to make brand new friends as an adult? Yeah, it is. Because most other adults are in relationships, maybe have families. And even if you get and make friends with a single person, they might eventually end up married and in a relationship or have kids and have a family. And then that relationship will friendship will probably dissipate. So, I mean, the best advice I can do is just say, do your best. And the friends that you do have, whether they're with family or not, just kind of be there for them and, Talk to them when you can, but just realize that, yeah, their family comes first. Their wife or spouse, or if it's a female friend of yours, their husband, they, they come first. And you can't, this isn't high school. This isn't college anymore where it's, you know, your buddies before your girls, bros before hoes, that stupid line. You know, in college, I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And I realized, no, that's dumb. So things change. It just does. And you can't expect them. 
to put all their friendship stuff with you before anything that comes uh, with their family. Next email says, Hey, Steve, can you have my favorite epidemiologist, Emily, back on the podcast? I would love to hear her recommendations on how soon we should get kids 6 to 11 vaccinated. I was told some experts recommend to wait a little bit, while others said to get them vaccinated soon. Well, um, there hasn't been much change since I had last had Emily on. I think we, we she covered a lot of stuff in that podcast. But what I did do was text her, and I texted her a screenshot of this email and said, hey, can you respond to this? And... Let me pull up my phone here. This is what she replied. Definitely vaccinate. Extremely safe and effective in this group. Every doctor scientist I know with kids went as soon as they possibly could once they were available for this age group. I would be sleeping so much easier if I knew my kids were protected. That was Emily's answer to that. And I would trust an epidemiologist. Not Facebook headlines, Instagram headlines, and whatnot. Next email, Steve, love your podcast. Literally the only reason I sort of watch these shows anymore. Minor question, why isn't Clayton's edit better? I can't think of any negatives to promoting him. If I was a producer of this show, I'd be giving him the best edit ever because he is the next Bachelor, but he is just kind of boring. You mentioned at one point that you couldn't understand why producers didn't announce Clayton more and emphasize him before the season started airing. I totally agree. The other question I have is, do you think producers, editors are getting lazy, bored with the show? There have been so many missed opportunities that are painfully obvious Producer manipulation is that is seems idiotic. Alternatively, this could be just that I listen to your podcast and Bachelor Clues so much that I see through the editing. Thanks and keep up the good work. Saying that why isn't Clayton's edit better, I think needs to be worded differently. My whole thing was, until probably this past Tuesday night, was... Not necessarily why wasn't his edit better, because that insinuates that he's been getting a bad edit. I've said all along, up until this past Tuesday, he hasn't been getting any edit. He just hasn't been getting a lot of camera time. But maybe it starts to turn around. You're good. You saw the most airtime he got was this past Tuesday. He won the ultimate Viking group date, and then we saw him get time with Michelle. And as I wrote in my column yesterday... Clayton doesn't seem like a bad guy at all. Not that any of the people that they cast are bad guys. Well, (laughs) some are. But what I'm saying is when it comes to Clayton, like he's a guy that in that conversation with Michelle on the group date after party just sounds like he's just not very confident or he hasn't been confident up to this point in his life. Maybe just around women, dating in general? I don't know. But, I mean, asking Michelle, how, how, do you, how do you do it? How are you so confident? Kind of shows that he lacks that. Which I think, I don't know, it's a little bit endearing, as opposed to some type A douchebag who knows he's the shit, and the second he becomes the bachelor, you know he's just going to run with everything and won't really care if he ends up in some long-lasting relationship anyway, because he knows plenty of other women will be waiting for him. So I found that a little bit endearing about Clayton the other night. He's not your typical, while he is a former jock, he doesn't come across as somebody that, you know, Tyler Cameron is a former jock, former quarterback at Wake Forest, then Florida Atlantic as well. 
played there. But Tyler Cameron knows his status. You know, he's dated supermodels. I don't I don't know Clayton's dating history, but my guess is he doesn't date supermodels and just jump from woman to woman. So I think that's somewhat endearing, and maybe that's why they cast him. But like I said yesterday, they are never going to address why they cast Clayton as The Bachelor. They're not going to give you some overlying reason because it won't matter to you because people will like the fact that he's The Bachelor. Some people won't. To me, it doesn't matter as long as there's a season, you know? But I'm, you know, I thought he came across as uh, fairly endearing the other night. And he's got his one-on-one coming up, and maybe we'll get to see, obviously we'll get to see more of him. But it's not going to be this thing where this guy blows you away. Just It was never going to happen. That was totally unrealistic to think that he was going to have all these moments on Michelle's season where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's why he's The Bachelor. That was never going to happen, ever. Because it's impossible to do that because it's just a television show. And some people are going to like him and some people are not, no matter what they showed. Next email. This is a legitimate question. Well, I hope so. How often do you see the girls get this idea of their head of fame from the get-go? I mean, how often do you see girls eliminated, and in this case, very early on, want to quote-unquote get in with the Bachelor Nation people so badly that they're willing to travel all over the U.S. to hang out with anyone they can from previous seasons, cough-cough book signings? So what this email is referring to is obviously the three women from Clayton's season that were at Peter's book signing in New York, and... This person's like, how did they end up there? Why would they go there? Look, I don't I don't know the first thing about how these women ended up at Peter's book signing, but they were all first night eliminatees on Clayton season. And, you, you know, you taught you basically the question was. How often do I see this? It doesn't happen often, especially with first night women, obviously women that last longer in the season. Clearly want to get in good with Bachelor Nation guys because they can set up early Bachelor in Paradise storylines and stuff like that. First night, yeah, seeing the pictures that came out the other day of three first night women from Clayton season hanging out with Peter and his boys at a book signing, it does make you scratch your head a little bit. Like, how in the hell did that come about? Did they say, hey, we are on Clayton season, we'd love to come to your book signing? And he's like, yeah, come on, come aboard. You know, I don't know. But it doesn't happen very often with people that eliminated the first night. Have there been first night people that have tried their damnedest uh, to stay in the limelight? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's happened before, but it's more rare than the contestants that last longer in the season and know they have some longevity in the franchise. Next email. Hey, Steve, when I looked up the location of the resort in Palm Springs that Michelle season is filming at, I noticed it's just a mile or two away from La Quinta where Claire and Tasha's seasons filmed. My question is, why did the dates on Claire and Tasha's season suck so much when they had all these outdoor spaces that they could have filmed in? I cannot believe it's just because we're a different place with COVID now than we were last July, August. Michelle has gone hiking and rock climbing and BMW test track racing, yet Claire threw rocks at other rocks with Jason, and Tasha took an ice bath with Ivan. 
I know we're still getting some stupid one-on-one dates, Rodney's Truth or Dare date, but this season's dates feel so drastically different even though they are filming in basically the same location. Thanks for all you do. Wouldn't watch this trash show without your spoilers. It's a good point, but I think you actually did answer your own question. Remember where we were when Claire and Tasha's season filmed. It was four months in the pandemic. We were still at a point where we thought touching things and surfaces might get you COVID. And then shortly after there, we realized it's more of an airborne virus. So while they did have that whole resort to themselves, they never went outside of the La Quinta resort. And I think they were able to go outside of the resort in the first four episodes of Michelle's season, just because we're at a different point in the pandemic. We know a lot more. And the other thing is at the time of Claire and Tasha's season, there wasn't a vaccination. Everybody on that set could have been exposed at some point. So they did whatever they could to never venture outside their own little bubble where they had the whole place to themselves and everybody there was tested every day. That's the biggest difference is why Michelle's was able to venture out and Claire and Tasha was not. Next one. I have, Hey Steve, I have a few random questions. One, I have noticed that some bachelor nation podcasts, almost famous and bachelor happy hour, have a ridiculous amount of ads during the podcast, all almost unbearable, even skipping them as a pain because I'm hitting the 15 second fast forward button 30 times while trying to drive. Is it bachelor? Is it bachelor franchise that makes them do this many ads or is that up to the host? Because it obviously makes them more money. Just curious. Always found your ads to be completely fine. I'll answer that one first. There's another question in this email. I don't know how other podcasts do their ads. Honestly, mine is sold through a network and they sell ads that they think would fit my listeners. And it used to be they were sold per episode. Now they're just sold per amount of downloads they want to hear it. So it's very hard for me to predict what ads are going in when. I just know that they say, oh, you need to voice this. Or sometimes, as you're hearing probably in the most recent podcasts, it's almost like a commercial. It's read by somebody else, just a commercial for whatever. Um you probably hear that. So I voice very little ads now. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how it's done with those. I don't know how they do it and why they put so many in. Obviously, the more ads you get in, um, it's it could be because you're doing some redos. Could be new ads. It's, it, it's different for each podcast. The second part of this question was, Would you ever consider doing an in-depth Bachelor recap podcast? I love listening to the recaps, and I think you would have good, funny intakes. A lot of the Bachelor Nation podcasts do recaps, but it's clearly one-sided. P.S. I love when you and Game of Roses collaborate. So you mean make my podcast every week a recap of the show? I've never really wanted to do that for the sole reason that my recap has always been the writing portion, and my recap has always been a written recap of the show. I understand that a lot of people do do recaps verbally and I just feel like I'm repeating myself. If I do that, it's just not something I've ever really been interested in doing. Maybe we get to a point where that becomes the case. I don't know because long form writing is kind of going away. I've thought about it, but I just, I, I, I don't see it. I'd rather do podcasts where I interview people every week. I don't want to go recap what everybody saw because by the time my podcast comes out, there's been other podcasts that have already recapped it. There's been plenty of things said on social media about it. It's almost like it 
all the opinions are out there. I, I don't really think I can offer too much different about what happens in the episode other than the behind the scenes stuff that I know about. And I can just include that in my column. But you just, you know, you never know. Next email. My question is, are there producer plants disguised as biotech startup and or commodity broker used to be used to be the villain scripted to be kicked off at a certain scripted point? The bad guys are so damn obvious. It's hard to believe when believe they are anything other than a producer plant playing their part with Michelle's knowledge, of course. Okay. The phrase producer plant, I think, has taken on a different meaning for different people because it's just plant means that they're going on. Like when you say producer plant, I think people look at that as those people are going on the show knowing they're playing a certain role. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think now in the later seasons, people are going on in their own mind saying, I I'm going to be the villain. So maybe it's happened more so in recent seasons, but for the most part, I think the people are more or less manipulated and kind of taken under producers wings and producers can get them to play a role without them even realizing it. I know that seems so bizarre, but that's because you're a viewer and you've been watching it and probably studying it longer than most of the contestants who go on the show have. They love preying on people who've never watched the show before and naive contestants. Like, I'm not going to defend anything that Chris S. did on Michelle's season, especially the last two episodes. But he doesn't strike me as somebody that was a diehard fan of the show and watched it all the time and went on there and did that on purpose. That guy being told... Just hearing the lines that came out of his mouth and the one-on-one where he's sitting there with Martin telling him that I'm so bummed I didn't get time with Michelle last night. And then the fact that he got to interrupt a one-on-one date. I mean, come on. The only reason you get to interrupt a one-on-one date is because the producer has planted in your head, you should do this. And you think it's a good idea that you do this. I just see Chris as someone who was totally naive to the process, had no idea what was going on. A producer pumped him up thinking that if you do this, Michelle might actually leave Nate for you. Yeah, right. Guy had no chance. And I don't feel sorry for him, and he agreed to do it. But let's call it what it is. He doesn't get to do that because a producer really thought, you know what, if he gets to talk to Michelle during her one-on-one personal time with Nate, She might really see this as a stand-up guy who's willing to speak his mind. No, it was a total setup because production knew that Michelle would send him home on the spot for doing that, and they did. Next email. Have you heard anything about Nate and if he is actually a good guy? It seems like in the show and previews for the season, he was being questioned if he was, wait for it, there for the right reasons. Just wondering if it's all for a storyline or any truth to it. The way I'm going to answer that question is this. I hear things about contestants every single season, and most of it is negative. Some of it is more detailed than others that I get. Some of it is just, hey, I heard this. Hey, I heard that. And I don't follow up on it because it's just like, okay, thanks. I don't know what you want me to do with this. 
So I I, I don't want to I don't want to specify anybody in particular. I could just say, just like at the beginning of Katie's season, I heard a lot of negative stuff about her guys. Post Katie's season, I heard a lot of negative stuff about her guys. When Michelle's cast was announced, I heard a lot of negative stuff about her guys. Since Michelle's season has been airing, I've heard a lot of negative stuff about her guys. It's the best way I can answer that. Hey, Steve, longtime follower, but I don't think I've ever submitted a question before. Going to throw out a couple superlatives for past Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons. Most likely to do the show again, pass lead, if given the chance. I don't know if any pass leads would do it again. I have to think about that one. Worst edit, who didn't deserve it. Best edit, who also didn't deserve it. Again, that'd be throwing people under the bus, and it would turn into this, oh, did you see what Reality Steve said? That this villain, uh, you know, he's covering up for this villain, and this, uh, you know, why do you hate this person? Because you said that they got a great edit, but they didn't deserve it. I'm not, get, I'm not going down that road. Not happening. Best-looking male and female lead, best-looking male and female contestant. Again, that turns into, you know, 46-year-old man commenting on a 25-year-old's looks. That's creepy. You're gross. Ooh, cringy. What's wrong with you? Unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to get into that. Most underrated lead, most underrated contestant. I don't know. It's hard to... What we mean by underrated when it comes to a show like this, because... When you say underrated in like the sports world, it's very easy to throw an underrated label on something like that because you can say, wow, this guy doesn't get talked about enough and look at his statistics versus something like this. I don't know what's considered rated at all. Uh, what's underrated on this show? It seems like I'm just trying to think of where you would even what you would be inferring like somebody who's got a really good story but didn't get a lot of camera time that I'd have to really think about but yeah and, and honestly look uh, yeah a lot of this goes back to what happened 6 months ago the whole demi situation and you know when i say demi situation you know i've said that a lot over the last 6 months when i've referred back to it and i almost feel like i've done myself a disservice by saying Demi situation, because when Demi came out with what she said, there are two completely different things that she is talking about. The first thing was the phone call. And from day one, I've said that that was wrong of me. I didn't know until she came out and said it, that it made her feel uncomfortable, but it did. So I owned it and said, never should have happened. And I apologize for it. But the thing that, so by Demi coming out and saying that, that I'm not, I've never, ever been upset or mad that Demi did that. She had every right to do that because I made her feel uncomfortable. So I take ownership of that. I never should have put her in that position. It's the other thing that Demi threw in there that I feel I'm allowed to have an opinion on, which is, she kind of blanketly threw in there that I make all these contestants feel I use this power against them and I use my power against them with 
One, never naming any names. Two, never naming any examples. It's like, if you're going to accuse me of that, be specific. I've never threatened anybody in this franchise with, oh, if you don't tell me this, I'm going to say something nasty about you. That's never happened. It never will. It's just... So, the Demi situation that I regret tremendously was ever calling her and telling her uh, about, you know, that dream. Shouldn't have done that. It was just dumb. Stupid of me. And I apologize for that. But the other things that she threw in there were so blanket and so generic with zero examples, yet it took on this life of its own where this is what I do to every contestant that I'm friends with. And it's just not true. And I've said that for six months. Did not hold any power over any contestant where I wielded it against them, which is what she made it seem like. And I just, like, I knowingly was using this power against them. Not true at all. And that really bothered me from that. The other thing that she accused me of, absolutely my fault. Next email. Hey, Steve, just heard a recap of last night's episode. I'm pretty sure Brandon said, I don't know if we end up together in the end, but that she makes him feel good. Oh, so I totally blanked on that. Sorry about that. I guess I totally, uh, that's what I get for having another TV and two TVs actually last uh, Tuesday night on in the background. I thought that's what Brandon said. But if he said, I don't know if we end up together in the end, then yeah, then I just, Totally goofed. So my bad on that one. Next email. Hey, Steve, I have a theory about why people assume that Luca is a male name. There was a huge song by Suzanne Vega called Luca in the 80s. Video for it, too, is about a boy who was the victim of child abuse. You may have missed it at the age that you were at the time and the style of music that it was. So for many people, that was their first and maybe only exposure to that name. Uh, This email... was brought up, I'm assuming because of what Sarah and I talked about in the last podcast, where I talked about the fact that uh, my dog Luca is gets referred to a lot as he did it. Oh no, I said it on the live. No, no, that's right. I, I said it on the Q and a live on, um, on Friday and uh, two things here to address your email. Number one, absolutely familiar with the song Luca by Suzanne Vega. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. Those are the only lyrics I know. Sorry. But yeah, I'm very much grew up with that song. I grew up with it. I, I know about it. I was a kid of the eighties and it was playing on the radio all the time at the time that it came out. So very familiar with the song and yes, it was about a boy. And then the other thing obviously being Luka Doncic, who's probably top five player in the NBA is a male and he's spells his name the same way that my, I spell my dog's name. But what I was getting at in the live was, I was also saying that when I've got, when I've taken Luca in for her six month checkup and the doctor calls me after the six month checkup, even the doctor will say he, and I'm like, you just worked on my dog. Did you not notice that it didn't have a pair of balls? (laughs) Like, Why are you calling her a he? That's the thing that it wasn't just the name. It was especially at the like when I go to my uh, when I go out of town and I put Luca in the doggy resort. <laughs> Same thing. 
Like she's been going to the same dog resort for the three years that I've had her. And it's usually the same workers there. And even then, sometimes they'll say, uh, can you bring him up here? Luca's owner's here. And I'm just like, how do you not know Luca's a girl by now? But it's more, I mean, that one can be, you know, the workers, you know, they don't examine the dogs. But when the doctor who just did Luca's six-month checkup calls me to say, hey, everything's fine. He's doing great. It's kind of like, what? <laughs> if you just worked on her, how do you know that her, how do you know that her is, or how do you think that her is a him? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you get my point. I'm, I'm even confusing myself, but I think you get it. Next email. Hey, Steve. I know you'll never reveal your sources, so I'm not sure if you can answer this with more than a yes or no, but I'll ask anyway. Are you ever surprised by the way in which a source obtains their information? For example, the plain video of Nick spilling his guts was simply epic and never to be recreated. But have there been other examples of weird coincidences or just bonkers encounters that have provided spoiler info? I'm not sure what your vetting process is and or how you validate the info, so maybe you don't always know the details behind the how, but I was just curious. Thanks for all you do. It's a good question. And the answer is absolutely 1,000% yes. Weird coincidences, bonkers encounters where I've been able to get for spoilers. Now, like I said, can't go into detail on those because it would be revealing sources. But yeah, things along the lines of the Nick video where, oh my God, random girl from my past happened to be sitting behind Nick on a plane you know, that he blames me for after the fact. Mind-boggling. Anyway, but yeah, stuff like that, absolutely. And I wish I could go over all of them with you. Hell, I've been spoiling since 2009, since Jason Mesnick's season. So that covers almost over 20 seasons of spoiling that I've done. You can't even sit me down and say, Steve, let's go over all X amount of seasons that you spoiled and tell me how you got the ending spoiler to each season. I honestly don't think I could tell you. Not be, not because of I don't want to reveal sources. It's like some of them I've forgotten. Like if you tell me how how did you know the ending to uh, you know Hannah Brown season, even though Hannah Brown was wrong at first. Here, good example, Hannah Brown. I was wrong at first. Said she was engaged to Tyler, and then a month into her season, I said no, it was Jed. Just thinking about it off the top of my head right now, I don't remember why I said or what the source was that told me she was engaged to Tyler Cameron. I do remember how I know the source that came to me about, hey, man, the Tyler Cameron thing is wrong. She's with Jed. I do remember that one. Obviously, I'm not going to get into it. But looking back on it now, I can't remember why I thought it was Tyler or what information was given to me to make me think it was Tyler. It's probably somewhere deep into my emails somewhere or my DMS. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. At some point I was given something to make me believe and make me think, Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. Hannah's with Tyler. That one. I don't remember. I remember, I can't tell you the name right now in terms of, I just remember, I just remember how the person came to me about, Hey, it's not Tyler. It's, it's Jed. I do remember that. But other seasons, I, yeah, I could not name every season. I could not tell you. And, and, and again, not because of, oh, I don't want to reveal my sources, but 
if I were to, if, if someone were to just tell me to write down all the ways you got the ending to the season for the last 20 seasons, I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't remember because there are so many things that are told to me by so many different people. It's impossible to pinpoint how I remember how I got each bit of info, but I definitely remember weird coincidences, bonkers encounters. The Juan Pablo one is a mind blower, but something I could never share. The Sean Lowe is a pretty good one. That, that was definitely a weird one. Chris, oh, Chris Souls. Oh, that one, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying. I, I, it's like, I can't even talk about this because you're probably sitting there going, well, Jesus, tell us. I, I can't. And I'm not trying to rub it in or anything, but I'm just, they asked me the question in the email. And now I'm for the first time trying to think back. And now I'm like remembering how I got some of the endings. And outside of that Nick one, uh, or which would have been Andy's season, Andy's ending, and knowing that it was Josh over Nick because Nick spoiled it on the plane. The Chris Souls one was about as random as you can get. And come to find out a couple seasons later, that person gave me a Bachelor in Paradise spoiler because they happened to be vacationing at the same resort where they filmed Paradise. And it was about the most random thing you'll ever get. So, yeah, I like it. That fits exactly into what you emailed. Weird coincidences or bonkers encounters. Chris Soul season was was out there. And how I found out that it was Whitney over Becca. Yeah. Weird one. Next email. Love your column, spoilers, and podcasts. Longtime reader of your site. Continue to do so. My question is regarding Jimmy Kimmel and his relationship to the show. Do you think ABC is feeding him information? His wife seems to pick the Final Four all the time, and I'm wondering if they are checking your site or getting the spoilers direct from ABC. Also, what do you think about Jimmy's mocking of the show? Last night he did a great parody where he had kids lip sync all the words during Chris S. and Nate and Michelle drama. I found it hilarious. Keep up the great work. His stuff is hilarious. His baby bachelor stuff that he did. His anytime he makes fun of the show, it's really good. Sometimes when he does the uh, journey counter where he has clips from the show of everyone saying the word journey, he'll pick out a certain word that everyone repeats during the same episode. And you, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it was said that many times. That stuff's good. In terms of his spoilers, it's clear that his wife reads the site. It's that's always been kind of known that she gets it from the site. Cause you got to remember when Jimmy does those predictions, it's always the night, the premiere airs. And while, while watching the premiere without knowing the spoilers, you know, who gets camera time in the first episode usually ends up, you know, lasting pretty long. But when every single season Jimmy can predict the final four off that first episode, it's clear he his wife gets it uh, from the spoilers that I release. Because when you do it season in and season out, it's just obvious. You can't get that off the first episode. Because sometimes a guy makes the final four 
that's barely shown in the first episode. So why would Jimmy possibly know that? It's because it's already out there. So next email. Hello, Reality Steve. I love when you answer questions on a podcast. I was wondering if you could create your own reality dating show. What kind of things would you want to include or do similar to other dating shows or different? Also, if you could be on a dating show, which one would you want to go on? Or reality show in general, not dating show. Love the podcast. I've been following your content since Alley season. I've never really thought, I've never really been interested in producing a reality show and what I would do if I had the opportunity to do one or ideas that I would give the bachelor or the bachelorette. I, the only thing that comes to mind just off the top of my head is what we saw from F boy Island this year. And I think because F boy Island was created by Elon Gale who came from the bachelor franchise, whether or not they do it in the future on the bachelor is a different story. I don't know if they will or not, but the fact that the women on F boy Island in one episode were allowed to dig through the guy's Instagrams and then call them out on anything they saw. I I think that'd be a good idea for Bachelor Bachelorette, but I don't think they can do it now because it would be blatant. It would be a blatant ripoff of Alon's idea, and they'd almost feel almost be like admitting defeat. Like, wow, a producer that we once had went on to a different show and gave us an idea. You know. I got to believe Alon pitched that while he was with the Bachelor or Bachelorette. Like, why would he only use that on the show that he left for? But I would definitely do that. Have an episode where the lead is allowed to look at their social media or know a little bit more about them through the Internet. Not that he's not that he or she is allowed to go on the Internet throughout the whole season and Google and do all this stuff. And because then they would just look for spoilers. <laughs> um, No. But maybe an episode where they get to look at through their Instagram like they did on F-Boy Island. I think that's a brilliant idea. I loved it when they did it on F-Boy Island. And it led to one of the best moments of the season on F-Boy Island when Garrett's ex ended up going on a FaceTime call with Sarah. That was good. That was good TV. Next email. Did you watch Leroy's video about his experience on Dirty 30? What are your thoughts and take away from it? Okay, this one's got four questions on it, so we'll go through these. I'm going to go through these really quick because they're pretty quick answers to give. I did see Leroy's Instagram video, and it sucks. It sucks that MTV is still following her and not him. It sucks that he had to deal with that from Camilla. I guess the only saving grace out of all of this is Camilla has never been back on a show since. Or maybe she did. I think she might have done an all-star season after that one, but then she like hit a producer or something or hit a cameraman and she's been banned from the show. So, but yeah, the whole thing sucks. And I'm glad Leroy came out with that. Are you watching all-stars too? What are your thoughts on all-stars? I haven't watched either season. I know that they are filming three all-stars three right now. Probably not going to watch that either. Um, I, I did hear who wins season two. I'm not going to spoil it. It's probably out there. There are spoiler pages for challenge stuff. I haven't watched it. I I just, I've got too many other shows. I've got my challenge on Wednesday nights, the regular challenge. I just, I can't get into all-stars. I don't know why. I thought I was totally going to be into it, and I'm just not. Do you think the challenge will, can survive with an overall confusing and fairly bad season and lack of real-worlders to pull from? Can the show survive? I certainly think it can. 
this season of Challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies, too much switching around of teams. They need to go back to kind of the same thing as Survivor, just less twists. Let these people do what they do, which is compete, hook up. Obviously, drinking's been curbed because drinking caused a lot of bad behavior in the past, which, you know, looking back on the challenge now, there are so many guys from this franchise that are, like, probably dreading the stuff that's out there from past seasons. But I think there's enough drama in this show and enough known names to where you can produce good TV with just the contestants, the hookups, and the challenges. Anyone you want to see on Celebrity Big Brother? Not really. There wasn't anything like... I'd have to take from the names that are kind of out there and say, like, oh, yeah, maybe I'd like to see them on. I don't. I, I really hope they stay away from the political stuff. Don't put Kellyanne Conway or Sean Spicer on Celebrity Big Brother, but I think they're going to. I think one of those two is going to be on, if not somebody else from the political realm. Because they did it last season with... Um, what's his face? The guy that was the... Uh, press secretary for like 10 days who was it uh uh god who am i blank oh gosh totally blanking on celebrity big brother two cast oh scar uh, scaramucci right anthony what's his name anthony scaramucci scara yeah anthony scaramucci he was on season two of celebrity big brother and lasted like a few days and then had to leave right so it looks like they are going to include and then on the first one it was omarosa who had worked in the Trump administration. So it looks like they're definitely going to have someone political on. I just think they need to stay away from it. Just plenty of other celebrities out there that would do that show that don't need to be bringing in political talk. Next email. First time emailer here, but longtime podcast listener, reader of your site. I just want to say thanks for everything you do. Appreciate you. With the holidays coming up, I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite holiday traditions? Thought this question would be a nice break from your Bachelor-related content. Um, do I have any holiday traditions? Hmm. Me personally, no. My family, my mother always throws a Christmas Eve party where we all go over to her place. I mean, that started back when I was in high school where a bunch of families came over and it was always a big thing every year. Now it's just, she still throws it, but it's just our family that goes over there. For me, I guess my my tradition is the fact that while I, I, I celebrated Christmas, Christmas, I've always celebrated Christmas growing up. I've been single on basically every Christmas for the last 15 or 20 years, so I don't decorate my house, and I haven't gotten a tree for myself. Because I'm never really spending any Christmassy time stuff here with anybody here, so I just don't. If I was with somebody, absolutely I'd decorate my place and get a tree. But if it's just me, I'm just like, okay, why do I need to look at a tree? <laughs> I don't know. Does that make me does that make me the Grinch? I don't know. Because uh, everyone else in my family gets a tree, but they have people that see it. <laughs> Nobody sees my place. So no, I don't have a tree. I haven't I, I've ne I've never gotten a tree for myself. Ever. It's always been at my family's place, and that's where, you know. Christmas morning, I go over to my sister's. We open gifts there. I, yeah. Okay, 
this one has a lot of questions in it. So, and I think this is number uh, 17, 18, 19, 20. We're on question 17, but so question 17 has got about six questions in it. Since we don't know much about Clayton, this question might be a little harder to answer. Do you think Clayton will propose on his season, or will there be some twist? Oh, I'm sure he'll propose just because that's the nature of the show. Yeah, in the last 20 combined Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons, the only two that didn't propose were, oh, three now. Juan Pablo, Colton, and Matt last season. And I'm including Bachelor and Bachelorette. Bachelorette's all proposed. Will there be lots of drama on Clayton's season? I mean, the same amount that you get every season. I don't think anything more or anything less. Kaylin and Dean both know women who ended up in Clayton's Final Four, Gabby and Susie. People online keep keeping us keep assume people online keeping assume production has more to do with them being in the final four than Clayton does. Can you please clarify this is true or is it more of ultimately the lead's choice when it comes to the final four? Wow. People online are assuming things they know nothing about. Shocker. Look, just because Kaylin and Dean know Gabby and Susie, it doesn't necessarily mean that's why they're in the final four. I think, I mean, you just have to watch it play out, but to to say that you know they're in the Final Four because they know Dean and Kalen is just irresponsible. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. And it's kind of insulting to Clayton. Do production, does production lead people in certain directions? Sure. But there's a good chance he likes both of them. And that's why they're in their final four or his final four. Have you heard of a front runner or any women Clayton has had the most interest in while he has been filming? Uh, no. And that doesn't, I'm not saying no, he's not interested in any of them. I'm just saying, no, I haven't heard of a front runner. Could you explain the Nick and Blake beef from what I can recall? And I might be wrong on this, but from what I can recall, I think it all stemmed from Nick's opinions of what Blake did with releasing Kalen's emails or not emails, text messages, uh, the night of that episode airing and Blake, you know, released the text messages to show that Kalen was the one that was pursuing him, uh, the night that night. Uh, I know Nick thought that was like the worst thing in the world and called Blake out on it pretty hard. And that was their beef. The next question they asked was, and this email came in before Hannah's story broke. Did Hannah Brown and Peter hook up, a.k.a. sleep together, after his breakup with Hannah Ann and before his final aired, finale aired? If so, I feel even worse for Hannah Ann and Maddie. Yes, because now we know it happened on February 23rd, and he had already ended his engagement with Hannah Ann, and his finale didn't air till March 15th or 16th. So, yeah. Have you heard of any Bachelor Nation member that has made it very far in a season that has any type of allegations against them that we don't know about? Oh, yeah. For sure. Any thoughts on Colton's documentary coming out on Netflix? I'm curious to what he says about the Cassie situation 
And I have a feeling it's going to be very, very disappointing. And we're not going to get much out of it because there's a reason she dropped the restraining order against him because they settled. And I'm guessing that settlement doesn't mean he's allowed to freely say whatever he wants on a Netflix documentary about it. So unfortunately, I think we're going to be disappointed, but I would like to know what he's going to say about it. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? Well, I have two teams that I picked before the season in the AFC and two teams that I picked before the season in the NFC. I have the Rams in Arizona because I was just going for long shot odds. I wasn't going for, I mean, as as a gambler, you, you're looking for who's got long enough odds to where this is a nice payoff. Rams in Arizona and I ha- in the NFC, and I've got... I've got the Chargers and Raiders in the AFC. Neither of them probably going to make it. You know, or win the Super Bowl. It'd be nice if they made it. It'd be nice if any two of those four teams played each other, because then I can hedge out. Or well, one if they if they play each other, I'm going to win. But if one of them just makes it, then I can hedge out because it's such a big enough payoff to where. I guarantee myself a win if one of those four teams even just makes it to the Super Bowl. So Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Raiders. Question number 18. Hi, Steve. First and foremost, what's your favorite vault song on red? Honestly, I haven't listened to the whole album yet. All too well is her best song. I think it's been universally accepted as her best song, even before the re-release, even before the 10-minute version. But I'll go all too well. Have you seen the reporting on Michael A.'s shady business? Do you think anything coming out around that would be reason for the franchise to go in a different direction for the next Bachelor season? I've Yeah, I, I read what that uh, website put out. It was a little bit confusing because I don't know I kind of skimmed it, so that's probably why I didn't comprehend it. Would it prevent him? I I, I don't know. If, if 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 he's the one that they end up choosing to be the bachelor, um, guess he's gonna have to maybe address it, or maybe not. I don't know. But I I, I do not know. I I can't predict if that's gonna somehow torpedo his chances or not. Because we won't, I mean, if he doesn't make it, the thing is, if, if Michael A does not end up being the bachelor, it's not, it's not like the show is going to come out and say, we were set to have Michael A as our bachelor, but we read this website and we decided to go in a different direction. Like we're never going to know anyway, if he doesn't get it. So either he's going to get it and it's not going to be, or he's not going to get it. And we're going to have no idea whether or not that played a role. Question number 19. Hey, Steve, I have a question for you. The Hannah B news has really got me thinking. So when things didn't work out with Jed, she still had unfinished business with her two runner-ups. They were both guys that she clearly also thought were great, but she couldn't pick all three. So it makes sense that she would phone up an ex when it didn't work out with the first one. I probably would have done the same. Naturally, she probably made, she thought she probably made a mistake with her final choice. Why do you think it doesn't happen more often? Or does it and we just don't hear about it? You often see a lead literally sobbing when they let someone go, but then a few months later... They are both single and don't get together? It's a good question. I it's hard for me to answer that. You'd have to answer you'd have to ask each lead individually. 
who didn't last with the person that they chose what the issue is. So, yeah. I, I, I It's hard for me to answer that. I don't know. And I think, I mean, it, if we're speaking about The Bachelor in general, I just think they have so many more other options that they don't need to go within the franchise and to the girl they dumped at the end. They just kind of just moved on and would rather just slay all around the United States in all the DMs that they get. As for the women, clearly Hannah was one that did go back to that. And then in recent seasons, we just haven't seen a lot that have broken up. And, you know, Tasha's still together. I mean, Claire and Dale broke up. I don't know if that means Claire's going to go to one of her guys. Um, Katie and Blake, does that mean she goes to one of her guys? I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. But you would have to ask the leads themselves why they wouldn't go that route. I don't I can't answer that for them. I don't know. Final question. Aloha, Steve. Oh, it must be from Hawaii. Huge fan and followed you for several years. Also want to attend the fan appreciation party in the future, but it's always a little harder to commit to these days. Hopefully one day I can make it and be there and meet you in person. Anyway, my question is regarding Katie and Blake. If you have heard anything with regard to the reason for their split, it seems logical that it could have been logistics that challenged them. But I feel as if it could be more than that. Like maybe she was still curious about men she sent home on this season, Andrew, Greg, John. I guess we may may never know, but it just seems like as if living was in separate countries was something they knew would be facing them from the beginning. Also, have you heard anything with regard to Becca unfollowing Katie following her reference to Thomas on the 12 days of messy posts she is currently doing on Instagram. I would imagine Becca knew the type of person Katie was in terms of doing edgy things, but perhaps she took offense since she is dating Thomas now and seems happy. Would you ever consider being on celebrity big brother? I think you would do well and you have cat to consult for strategy tips. Okay. Let's get to the first part. I don't know any details about Katie and Blake's split. Have I heard rumblings? Of course I hear rumblings about everything. But it doesn't, I haven't followed through on anything. I haven't really cared to follow through on everything. I'm just, once these couples break up and once they, actually once they're off the show and still engaged, I don't pay much attention to them unless something major happens. If a breakup happens, I post the breakup and I just kind of move on. There, I don't need to talk about Katie and Blake's, Blake's breakup. Your point about, It's not like it was sprung upon them that one of them lived in Canada and one of them was moving to Southern California. Totally agree there. It's one of the reasons that I I just think my personal opinion and nothing that I've heard, I just think they're too opposite. Not saying opposites can't attract. I just didn't think that they were a couple that had a hell of a lot in common. And I think they liked each other on the show. Chemistry was probably good. The sex was good. They got off the show and didn't think more than five minutes ahead of how this was going to work in the real world. But that's just my opinion. I just... I don't think they thought ahead very much and we're and we're just enjoying the moment, which you you kind of have to do. But you also kind of need to think of, OK, is this a long term deal? And I think when they both sat down and either either together or individually sat down and thought, is this someone I can be long term with? They both said no. For whatever reason, I don't think it was like one major thing that led to this Katie and Blake breakup. I think it was more along the lines of, yeah. Just not going to work out between us. As for her post about Thomas and Becca not following her anymore, I don't. I had no idea about that. I, I don't. 
I don't follow about who's following who and who's liking whose pictures or anything. But if Becca is not following her anymore, I do think that's interesting because let's remember, I did a whole post about this uh, the day after Katie went on Nick's podcast because remember how bad Katie was trashing Thomas on Nick's podcast and she specifically said like, because it was right around the time that it was known that Thomas was going down to paradise or if Thomas was going to go down to paradise, she would love to talk to the woman who he gets with because she was going to give that woman a piece of her mind and, oh boy, you're really getting into it. And then Thomas gets with one of the more popular women in the franchise and now Katie's basically backtracking. I thought that was interesting because Thomas is now so well-liked and Katie trashed him. So that's interesting. Would I ever consider a celebrity big brother? No, and they would never consider me. It's just I'm not I'm not a celebrity. They would never look at me. I have no interest in ever I have no interest in being on TV. I've never had any interest in being on a reality show. It's not why I started realitysteve.com so I could get on a reality show. It's why I started a podcast. I like the radio as- aspect. My background is in radio. I've always liked the anonymity of radio. You're just a voice behind a microphone. I've never been a TV guy. I've never studied TV in college, never wanted to be on TV in front of the camera. And same goes true for my life now. Have I done TV appearances for things locally here in Dallas and, you know, do Instagram lives and stuff? Yeah, but that's different than being on. I have no interest in being a television personality. It's never been my thing. I didn't go to hosting school. I didn't take classes for any of that. It's not my thing. Radio's been my background, and the podcast is the closest thing I can get to radio since then. So that's it. I appreciate all your emails. That was 20 emails we went through, a little over an hour. So, yeah, I kept it to right around the same time most of my podcasts are. But thank you so much uh, for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Much appreciated. Uh, Next week, next Thursday, is Thanksgiving. So I'm going to release the podcast next Wednesday night because I know I'm recording it on Monday, and I need to do some research uh, before uh, Monday to have this person on. It's not Bachelor Nation, but it is reality TV related, and um, it's a show coming out next week. So I want to watch it. They sent me the screeners for it going to have someone from that show on and uh, that'll be out. I'll put it out late Wednesday night so you don't have to, you know, if you want to listen to it early, you can. So thank you very much for all tuning in. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast again. Much appreciated. Helps the podcast with um, ratings, helps and ratings, helps advertisers, all that good stuff. So thanks again, and we will talk to you next week.